the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. God's arm is mighty. He'll fight for you. He'll fight the battle. He'll win the battle. Look, He'll bring a reward with Him. He still wants to reward them. After their rebellion against Him and their forsaking Him and their idolatry and their immorality and their injustice, they brought all of this upon themselves. God says, look to me. I'll be strong on your behalf. And I'll I'll bring a reward with me when I come. I'll reward you when I come. Whenever we read about how God dealt with Israel for their constant rebellion and iniquity, it can be easy to feel as though he went a little overboard at times. On the other hand, the better we understand the severity of sin, the more we realize that God would have been perfectly just to abandon them altogether. In today's message, Pastor Dan reflects on God's unmerited and unearned grace towards both Israel and the church. In his study, you'll hear about God's grace towards Israel and His forgiveness, with which He brought them back into the land. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Isaiah, chapter 40. We're also going to look at Numbers, chapter 13. You want to mark that in your Bible as well. Isaiah 40, Numbers 13. Well, if you remember from our last study, Isaiah chapter 40 begins the second half uh, or the second division of the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah before the Babylonian captivity. But Isaiah 40 is written to the time after the captivity, those who, who are in the captivity, who will, who will come back from the captivity in Babylon. So he's, he's looking ahead now to the time after the captivity. And just as a reminder, the Babylonians are going to come into Judah. Uh, they're, going to, they're going to conquer the land. They're going to destroy Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Uh, they're going to carry away uh, the people of Judah as slaves Uh, and carry them back to Babylon, where they'll be slaves for 70 years. Uh, And so the people of Judah will suffer uh, defeat and humiliation. The land will be left in ruins by the Babylonians. And now God says to those people, looking ahead to those who were carried away in the captivity, he says to them in verse 1, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. God says, speak comfort to my people. 
Speak words of comfort to them. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. And that, that phrase, speak comfort to Jerusalem, it literally means speak to their heart. Speak tenderly to them. Minister to the hearts of my people who have suffered because of their sin. And you see here the grace of God and you see the mercy of God here. You know, they've, they've, been, they've been carried away into captivity because of their sin, because of their rebellion against God. And God doesn't say to them just, you know, you, you got what you deserve. He says, speak comfort to them. Yes, they've sinned. Yes, they've rebelled against me. Yes, they're suffering the consequences for their rebellion, but speak comfort to them. Minister to their heart. Speak tenderly to them. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The people of Judah sinned greatly against the Lord with their idolatry, with their injustice, the way that they treated the weaker people in their society. They sinned with their immorality, and God comforts his people now, and the way that he comforts them is by declaring that their iniquity is pardoned, that their sins are forgiven. And what a comfort it is, right, to know that your sins are forgiven, to know that all of your sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, and all of your sins were paid for, and you're forgiven by God and reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 2 again, he says, For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And that means that that God has chastened them uh, in an equivalent measure to their sin. Or to put it another way, all of their sins have been paid for. They've suffered all the punishment they need to suffer for their sin. Uh, The sin has been paid in full. And remember, when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, It is finished. It's paid in full. The, the, The payment has been made in full. The wrath of God is satisfied. The requirement. Uh, For our sin has been paid, it's it's finished, it's satisfied. All of our sin, you know, my sin, not in part but the whole, was nailed there on the cross, right? All of it. It was all paid for and atoned for by Jesus Christ on the cross. Now verse 3 says, The voice of one Crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And the picture here is that of, a, of an ambassador or representative for the king announcing to the people that their king is coming, and so they need to prepare the way. They need to get ready for the king. Literally, they need to go out and repair the roads and, and remove any obstacles that might be in the highways and prepare the way for the coming king. Uh, in Washington, D.C., whenever there's a presidential inauguration, uh, months before the inauguration, the city of Washington prepares the city 
right? They go and they, they paint the light posts and they fill in the potholes and they, they put fresh grass down in the mall. I don't know if you went down to D.C. just before the last inauguration. The mall is perfect. It's pristine just before the inauguration. And they prepare for the big event. Well, in the ancient world, when a king was, was planning a visit to a city or a town, uh, a messenger was sent ahead of the king to announce that he was soon coming so that the people could prepare the way for the coming king and get the city ready for the king. And that's what you have here. You have this announcement that the king is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And it's interesting, the Essenes, uh, the Essenes who were a sect of Judaism, Uh, They took these verses literally. And the Essenes that were living in the city of Jerusalem and in the comfort of Jerusalem, they left Jerusalem, they left their houses behind, and they went out to the desert near the Dead Sea to live out in the desert to prepare a way for the Lord. Uh, Because the verse says, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And so the Essenes believed that when the Messiah comes, he's going to come in the desert to his people that are out in the desert who have prepared themselves for his coming. And so they, they literally, you know, they took these verses literally. They were doers of the word, not hearers only. And they went out to the desert and they left all the comforts of Jerusalem behind. They went out to the desert and they lived out there in the desert near the Dead Sea, waiting for the Messiah to come. Uh, The scenes are are most famous for the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, But they lived out there in the Dead Sea. They moved out there just before the time of Jesus, waiting for the Messiah to come, preparing themselves for his arrival. And then when Jesus came, he began his public ministry with his baptism by John the Baptist. And where was John the Baptist baptizing? Out in the wilderness, out in the desert not far from where the Essenes lived near the Dead Sea. In fact, one of the places where John the Baptist baptized on the Jordan River, you can actually see that location from the place where the Essenes lived. And so the Messiah did come uh, to the Essenes who had gone out to the desert to prepare the way for the Lord and wait for the Messiah to come. And he came. Uh, And of course, the ultimate fulfillment of these verses is the ministry of John the Baptist. He's the one who came to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Matthew's gospel tells us in Matthew chapter 3 that John's ministry fulfilled these verses. Matthew's gospel quotes these verses in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Verse 6 says, The voice said, Cry out! And he said, well, what shall I cry? Cry out, all flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And here the Holy Spirit uses imagery uh, that was very familiar to the people of Judah. In Israel, even still today, uh, the grass becomes green 
and the flowers bloom uh, in, in the winter time for us, usually in February or March. The grass turns green, the flowers bloom, the land is very lush and beautiful and filled with, with flowers. But then every May, there is a southern wind that begins to blow that comes up out of the southern desert, out of the Negev, and it blows across the land of Israel, and it, it brings very, very hot, dry air into and across the land of Israel. And literally, the temperature will rise 25 or 30 degrees overnight. And the humidity will go way down. And so you have this hot, dry air that blows across the land suddenly, just kind of shows up one day, and it dries out all the grass, and it dries up all the flowers. So here you'll you'll have just beautiful green, lush fields and flowers, and then this desert wind comes in, and in a matter of days, it's all brown. And it's all withered and it's dead, just like that. And, you know, one week it's beautiful and thriving and living, and then a few days later, it's just dead and brown and, and dried up. Just as he describes here, the grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. That word breath could also be translated wind, because the wind of the Lord blows upon it, this southern desert wind that just comes in and dries up the grass, withers the grass, the flowers fade, and it all just turns brown. All the loveliness disappears, all the beauty, and it all is just gone in a moment. And he says, look what he says at the end of verse 7, surely the people are grass. He says the people are just like the grass. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment. But first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more. Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us. And in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife, Cameron, wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now let's finish today's message. He says in verse 8, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. He's saying here, people come and go. Nations come and go. Kingdoms come and go. Empires come and go. Circumstances come and go. But the word of God stands forever. Now, when you and I read the word forever, we think eternal that the Word of God is eternal, and it is. But here, the, the concept of forever, as it's used here, it means it's continuous. It's permanent. The Word of God is continuous. It's It's permanent. Everything else in life is like the grass, and the grass withers, and the flower fades. It it disappears. Everything else in our lives fades away eventually. It disappears. 
Uh, People move away. People die. Circumstances change. Everything is constantly changing in our lives, but the one constant is the Word of God. That's the one thing that's kind of permanent in our life that we can count on that doesn't change, that doesn't fade away, that doesn't disappear. It, it, you know, it doesn't mean one thing one day and then you read it another day and it means something else. No, it's, it's constant. It's permanent. And we can count on it. We can count on the promises of God. His promises don't change from day to day or month to month or year to year. We can count on His faithfulness. He's faithful. It doesn't change. In season, out of season. God doesn't change. The Bible says there's no shadow of turning with Him. Right? He doesn't change. There's no, there's no change in His, His Word. It's this one constant. As, as Israel is going through these different seasons as a nation, and you know, the Assyrians, and now the Babylonians, and these empires are, are coming, and, and then they're disappearing. But God's promises are a constant for them. God hasn't changed. He's the one thing that they can count on to not change. So too for us. Verse 9 says, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, look, your God. He says here, uh, bring good tidings, you who bring good tidings. The, The phrase good tidings, it means to declare good news. Declare good news to the Jews who are in captivity in Babylon. What's the good news for them? That one day their captivity is going to end. And the good news is the captivity is going to come to an end and they'll be allowed to come back into their own land once again. That's the good news for them. The good news is you're going home. That's their good news. (laughs) What's the good news for us? You're going home. That one day this life is going to come to an end and we're going to go be with Jesus. That's good tidings for us. It's good news for us that all of our sins were paid for on the cross and that we're forgiven and we're right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That we were once enemies of God and far from Him, the Bible says. And now we've been brought near and we who were once enemies are now sons and daughters of God. His children, and we have an inheritance in heaven waiting for us. That's good news. That's good news for us. And look at verse 9 again. He says, Say to the cities of Judah, Behold, your God. Now, look back with me in chapter 36. Chapter 36, if you just turn back a couple pages in your Bible. And you you may remember this if you were with us in chapter 36. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Do you guys remember that when we studied through that? The Assyrians came into Judah and invaded Judah. And what the Assyrians would do when they would attack a a nation is they would go into that nation and they would destroy all of the cities except for the capital city. And that's what they did in Judah. They went into Judah and they destroyed all the cities of Judah except for Jerusalem. 
46 cities, and they leveled them, completely destroyed them. Now, go back to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and here, and Isaiah chapter 40, he says here, Say to the cities of Judah, the cities of Judah, the cities of Judah are in ruins. And he says, say to the cities of Judah, these cities that are destroyed, say to them, behold, look, your God. He's giving an invitation to cities, to people that live in those cities, whose cities are in ruins because of their sin. Their cities are in ruins, their lives are in ruins because of their sin. And God says to them, behold, look to your God. Look to your God. He doesn't say, you did this to yourself. You got what you deserved because of your sin. Look at the mess you've made of your life. Now, after everything is destroyed and ruined because of their sin, God appeals to them and invites them and says, no, look to your God. Look to your God. Everything's ruined. Everything's destroyed. But the door is still open. You can still look to your God. You can still call upon Him. And He will hear you and He will save you. Verse 10 says, Behold, look, you look to your God and call upon him. Behold, the Lord, Yahweh, God, shall come with a strong hand and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. God's arm is mighty. He'll fight for you. He'll fight the battle. He'll win the battle. Look, he'll bring a reward with him. He still wants to reward them. After their rebellion against him and their forsaking him and their idolatry and their immorality and their injustice, they've brought all of this upon themselves. God says, look to me. and I'll be strong on your behalf. And I'll, I'll bring a reward with me when I come. I'll reward you when I come. Look at verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. There's still his flock. He's still their shepherd. And what does the New Testament tell us? Jesus Christ is our great shepherd, right? He's our great shepherd. We are his flock. And he loves his sheep. Now watch what it says here. This is, this is, I like this stuff. It says, He will gather the lambs with His arms and He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Now here's what shepherds would do. If there were sheep that were prone to wander, prone to rebel, and those sheep had lambs, the shepherd would take the lambs up into his arms and then he would start to lead the sheep by carrying their lamb and that mama that mama sheep would naturally follow the shepherd because he's got her lamb he asked me how i know and I 
We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton today for Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from Pastor Dan, they're available to you at our website, calvaryec.com. We'd also like to take a moment to invite you to partner with us here at Ring of Truth. Would you consider investing in this ministry financially? Your investment of any amount will be used to bring these daily Bible studies to you and other listeners. Throughout this month, as our way of saying thank you for partnering with us, we will send you a wonderful devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple daily devotional, written for women, is designed to keep your focus on Jesus during one of the busiest months of the year. The devotional begins on the first day of December and walks you through the story of the birth of Jesus in daily bite-sized pieces. It's the perfect tool to keep Jesus in the forefront of your Christmas season. To get your copy of 31 Days of December, call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. Or visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on give. That's calvaryec.com. We will gladly mail a copy to you. Thank you for partnering with us and thank you for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes It's true.